Uh, can I start off with a story again? It's a short story this time. Uh, please. Great. Uh, you've me. heard this, but I'm going to say it again. All right. So a story. So I'm in traffic court the other day paying mm. the most expensive parking ticket I've ever paid in my entire life. And I say most expensive parking ticket I've ever paid because there is an <laughs> expensive unpaid parking ticket in New York City. I'm looking at you, Upper West Side. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but nice. I didn't fight the power. I, Right. Um, if, well, I found out like if you just don't go back like for a long enough time, they just absolve them after like, oh, they're just really? like this person's not coming back. Yeah. Like and it's Life not hack. like I was ever going to drive that vehicle back down there. So like I was just like, yeah. I'm not paying this. <laughs> that happens all the time in the city. It makes sense. Um, But I'm in traffic court and. It's for like, you know, a bogus ticket. The cop said I was not, I didn't yield the right away to a pedestrian, like literally oh, yeah. a mile and a half before he gave me the ticket on like the absolute maximum. Like I was halfway across the bridge out of his jurisdiction when he swung around the person in front of him to pull me over to give me this dumb ticket. So I'm in court and I'm already like, I actually, this is a two-parter. Um, it's getting longer. Now, so go. I'm in court. <laughs> <laughs> and first off, here's the funny thing. My brother texts me in the morning. My brother Isaiah, and he's like, he's like, oh man, I gotta go to traffic court this morning. I was like, I'll see you there, which was really funny. <laughs> and, but I'm sitting in court, and this old man comes in. Like I'm talking like real old, like of the age where in my mind I was like, oh, th there's no way this guy is still even driving. How is he here, right? And then. His daughter walks in behind him, or what I assume was his daughter, but his caretaker, at least this morning. The person in possession of this old man comes in <laughs> and, and the judge isn't in there yet. There's like some old, you know, it's a classic court scenario. There's some like guy to the right of me clicking his dentures. There's mm. like some other guy who came in with like a whole portfolio of papers. That's like, I've got not gotten a moving violation in 38 years. And it's like, well, you've definitely gotten a road, like got a road rage ticket there or something, dude. Can I tell you um, something? <laughs> what? I have never gotten a ticket and never been in court. That's great. Mm-hmm. I'm an expert. Anyway, <laughs> so so I'm sitting there, and then this old guy and his daughter, I'm assuming daughter. I'm just going to keep saying daughter. Uh, yeah. Come, come, and they sit down, and she goes, I'm going to go get my cell phone, right? Um, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't know why she's getting her cell phone. We can't use our cell phones in here, right? And so then he's just kind of left there sitting by himself, just like looking around, and I'm like, man, what is – and then he pulls a ticket from out of his pocket now i'm not being ageist this mm. is like as this is a case-based thing i watched this man shuffle into the courtroom i watched him pull the ticket out of his pocket when his daughter comes back to speak to him he she's like so i'm gonna be able to do xyz and he's like he's like huh and i'm like oh no this is bad. He can't hear anything. And then he's like, he keeps going. I was going to change the batteries in my hearing aids. And she's like, there's no batteries in these ones. They're just, they're just, you've charged them. There's no batteries. He's like, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm going to get batteries. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> this, this guy's got a ticket. And then he points to a side. And 
there's a part of me the entire time I'm like having this war with myself like oh man you're kind of being ageist Kevin are you being ageist right now and like there, there then there's a part of me that's like you're not being ageist he can't no. even hear her like he yeah. doesn't understand how his hearing aids work and then he points to he has glasses on as thick as mine and you know how thick my glasses are and he points to a thing like a sign that's like probably 12 feet max in front of us and says what does that say and I was just like I was like, I'm not being ageist. This man, like, no. and I wanted to stand up and be like, "Are we here to get rid of just his license today? If I <laughs> help all, do that, are we can I just together? have my ticket absolved? <laughs> like, this man should not be on the road." Then, and here's the two parter. Then I hear. First off, I come upstairs. I ask like the cop, you know, the court officer, like, "Hey, where's the bathroom?" He points to where the bathroom is, directs me. It's like super, super nice. I hear the elevator. And I hear boots hit the floor and I already know it's my brother. Like, you know how, like, you know, your siblings, Mm -hmm. like, I already know it's my brother. And then I hear the, like, then I hear the cops reaction. And for anybody listening that doesn't know this, my little brother is half black. So I hear the cop and I come from an area that's not very even part black. So (laughs) I hear the cops reaction like, whoa, hey. And then my brother I assume he's just used to dealing with this at this point. Just like walks to where the bathroom is because he obviously knows. <laughs> he doesn't even ask. And then he, the, I hear the cop turn around and I hear like somebody else trying to talk to him. And he goes, I think it's just here to use the bathroom. <laughs> and, like, and then my brother comes out and I hear him talking to him. And now I hear his voice, right? Like muffled conversation. And the guy's like, the guy's like, wait, what? And it's like, he's, he's lost all the courtesy that he had with me. Very pleasant with me. Very, very pleasant with me. And then he's like talking to my brother. He's like, well, you know, you got to go over to the window and blah, blah. And it's like, dude, (laughs) why? Why is this the moment that we're having this morning? And then (laughs) the cop, my brother walks in right as court is starting. And the cop walks in behind him. And my brother very confidently finds me. walks up to me and we fist bump as he sits down next to me and the look on this court officer's face his eyes went so wide like (laughs) what is going on here and i just like internally like everything going on like this old man who probably shouldn't even be driving that's here to like talk about a ticket my brother coming in and fist bumping me like just it's like the funniest court case scenario that i've ever been in that's incredible. It was, dude, a- every day is an adventure. <laughs> like, but also, that cop is, like, I'm sitting there worried about whether or not I'm ageist and then just being confirmed, right? And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait, this cop's being racist. And I was like, wow, this is just society now, isn't it? This yeah. is how this goes. <laughs> 100%. Like, I... <laughs> If this, if my life were like a sitcom, there would be like all like the Benny Hill sounds in the background, like ba ba da ba da ba like just if that would life, be that episode of Court that day. If your life was it's always sunny, this would be fitting. You could be like the gang meets a racist. <laughs> the, the gang goes through racist court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Yeah. You ready to clap? <clears throat> I'm ready. Three, two, one. Yes. Love it. We're so good at that. Every time. Welcome back to the Unpop Podcast. This is the second recording of the Gender Fluid mm. episode. My name is Kevin Miner. He, him, your Capitan Total El Siempre. And with me, as always, is... Odie Matthews, the chef, they, them. That's beautiful, Odie. This beautiful. episode is the Gender Fluid episode. We've already recorded it once, but it there was chaos mm. and... Not, I don't think either of us were ready to record that day, so we're doing the responsible thing. Driving under the influence? No. Mm. I was just talking about... No, I was just talking about traffic court. We're not driving under the influence. We're operating this podcast under the influence of a better mindset. Aww. Aww. Oh, I'm going to put in like an awe track there. Oh, I should put in sitcom sounds all the time. Why am what? I not doing that? Because our podcast isn't a sitcom. <laughs> But it could be. Ayo! See, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put applause there. No, you can't boo. You can't. I, I booed already. There's no booing. There's not in this sitcom. I'll do the sound effects this episode. All right, you do the sound effects. Anyway, we're here. Yay! Uh, uh, we're, we're here. Yay! Um, hey, <laughs> did you like the red E that I sent you to let you know that I was red E? Well, Kevin. I'm colorblind, <laughs> so it was brown, and no, to answer your question. So. First, I wrote it, and then I was like, oh, that's good, and then I was like, wait, this will be funny. Send an actual red E. I'm chaotic good. I yeah, let people I, know that I love them by remembering things about them. Yeah, I was going to say, your joke doesn't land with me, though, because you're like, I'm going to send a red E. Yes. Cool. But you knew what it was. I know it was an E. You knew what it was. Though. I thought it was for poopy. Poopy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways. Anyways. Today. Yes. Today we're going to talk about everything that we talked about last time, but better. And nobody even heard <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> and nobody will know if it's better or not. No, so we can just say you it You won't know if it's better. Yeah. They will know if it's better or worse. Pretend like it is. Well, here's. Okay. So we didn't even get to touch on. There were three really big wins. And I. I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to go like stand on a soapbox and be like, there wasn't enough press coverage on this this year. Cause like, whatever, like this is the coverage. This is the, the, the most that I can do for this scenario. There were three really big wins for the trans community this year. And they happened in Hollywood and they were great. And one of them was Dr. Barbie, right? Mm, yes. Played by the wonderful Hari Neff. Yes. Or or Harry Neff. I don't know if it's Harry. I'm going to say Harry. I think it's Harry. Anyway, and then there was Pinhead in the new Hellraiser series. Yes. Played by Jamie Clayton. Mm-hmm. Right? And something that I totally... I saved this last week and I didn't even mention it. But Laura Jane Grace, the singer of Against Me, is getting, the, uh, getting honored with the key to the city in Gainesville, of all places. Yeah. Wow. Gainesville, Florida is awarding a trans woman the key to the city, and there was hope. That's crazy, actually. Right? That blew my mind. But these are big wins for, like, in my mind, just, like, the future in general and the idea of what it means to, like, just exist and be fine. <laughs> like, 
Well, and I, I mean, know, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna like just be like, we've solved the the <laughs> sexism. We haven't, right? No. Yeah. It's not. I mean, maybe it is solved. I don't know. You tell me, Odie. Uh, no. But I was gonna say you're yeah, a couple it. other a couple other big wins though. Um, I don't know if they're like big in in yes. that regard, but you have Bella Ramsey, who, to my knowledge, is the first non-binary uh, actor. Or yep. actress, I guess yep. there's really no but actor uh, to portray a video game character, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really cool. Uh, I think I think they're the first. On top yeah. of that, you also and now this person's not the best, but technically with the Flash coming out this year, the first non-binary actor also played a superhero on film because Ezra Miller is non-binary. Yep. But the problem is, is that not the best face for that not the best face <laughs> of mental health for any type of yeah 100 okay. um yeah and we can just agree on that and move on um but yeah. no <laughs> like some really significant wins are happening and it's not happening i don't think that these things i think a lot of times when people talk about things like this or topics like this uh there's almost like an instant conspiracy theorist voice of like well this is just part of an agenda there's no agenda like these people were just awesome. Like if you saw the Hellraiser movie, Jamie Clayton was the best pick for that. Yeah. yeah. She was so great. You know, Laura, Laura Jane Grace of against me has always been awesome. <laughs> like, yep. and is now getting the key to the city. That's, that's as good as when killer Mike got the key to the city in Atlanta. <laughs> that was great. Cause yeah. well, cause they do so much good work in their communities right these are people who are like lord jane grace and killer mike are pillars of their community and seeing them get the keys to the city seeing them get recognition for the things that they do when you know we're not even a hundred years away from like black people getting the right to vote or we're not even we're not even are we a hundred years away yet from women getting the right to vote i don't even think we're a century away from that yet wasn't that in the 20s so we're coming. Up, I think maybe? it's like this decade. Let's see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know that off the top of my head, and I don't apologize for it because I can't keep everything in my head. But <laughs> like 1920. If, so we just hit 100 years on that. So we just hit 100 years on women being able to vote in 2020. Damn. That's insane. What a year, too, to have that happen. Well, and like the thing, <sighs> I think it's easy to feel like, oh man, we're really not making progress when. There, there is, there's a lot to celebrate and there's still a lot of like, okay, we could maybe move a little faster, right? Like there's, there's both of those things at the same time and learning to hold both in the same hand, I think is important um, because it's like, yeah, this is really frustrating. We've been trying to work at this for a long time and have inclusion just be more broadly accepted and be more readily available and hopefully get some sort of like, you know, exponential return on that at some point uh but you know just over 100 years away from women getting the right to vote and we have trans women who are being pillars in their community just over like 30 plus years from black people getting the right to vote we have killer mike getting the key to the city you know we there's there's so much uh there's so much to celebrate that has been done and then there's also at the same time and something that, like, I think we didn't maybe uh, touch on clearly enough when we spoke before. This is the improved version. Uh, yeah. 
there's still so much work to be done. Yeah, I think it's easy for, I think people maybe outside these groups to be like, oh, like, well, look how far you've come. Like, look, now you you are equal. But the reality is, is that for one, not equal, not yeah. really. And for yeah. two, that's really easy for you to say, oh, like, look, you, you're, you've made it. But like, that doesn't mean that like, everything just goes away you know like yeah. it doesn't it, you know you don't just wake up as a you know member of the lgbtq community for instance and just go well nobody's homophobic anymore because you know we fixed that and not yeah have to worry about it no it's still very much there yeah very much yeah uh but you know like even this is something that popped into my head i was like man even the like homophobic people and people who are transphobic and like just in general just really can we just i feel like homophobia and transphobia legitimize um they almost legitimize the term too much can we just call them intolerant like they're just people who are intolerant i feel like that's a much better way to describe people who are not accepting of trans and lgbtq plus people like i i feel like you're just intolerant you don't tolerate that's it and it's like i don't think that there's any mandatory program that needs to be enacted i i think it's something that we should like common sense wise it, at least the way that i behave toward that is i'm like well that's unfortunate that you think that way and that's all yeah. i leave it at you know because i leave the ownership on them it shouldn't be on the lgbtq plus community or anybody else to educate everybody on how to be tolerant and just maybe mind your business, right? Like it shouldn't, but at the same time, like something has to be done. So like, there's a level of ownership that gets taken. And I totally like, even as I'm talking about this, I'm like, man, I'm really out. I'm, I'm a little bit out of my depth, but I think I just care enough to say anything, (laughs) you know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned that because like the, 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 what I find funny is the people that sit there and say that, like, oh, you know, like, being gay is unnatural or, like, you know, uh, <laughs> a, a transgender woman is just a man or, or whatever. You know, those people are fighting, like, this weird fight against that. Mm-hmm. And what happens if they win is everybody, the part of that community that they hate, then mm-hmm. goes back multiple steps. But if that fight Mm -hmm. were to stop and let's say you know the people on the other side like the lgbtq community came out on top nothing changes for those people and that's the big thing that always upsets me is that if you win the fight against the group that you're oppressing everything changes for those people but if they win the only thing that you have to worry about is now you might have to see two dudes kissing in public oh boo you know what i mean like the the uh, the the stakes on one side are being able to exist as they want to without having to deal with that. And the stakes on the other side is just being mildly inconvenienced. And it's just, that is what I think frustrates me to no end. I think uh, what's like the hardest part for the hardest part. And and I don't mean that it's actually hard, but the hardest part for a, a cisgendered white male, especially like, you know, I'm, I'm middle-class white male. Like I'm, I'm the, norm like i'm i'm the thing that for like the past 10 years people have been like well you're kind of the problem like yeah the problem looks a lot like me yeah it does um but like the hardest part is you know i want to say something but 
the hardest part has been and still is learning to listen more than speak in scenarios like this, you know? Mm, yeah. Like I th- I think uh a lot of people think that just being an ally is just being like, oh, like I agree with that, but like I think there's a lot more that even as an ally that you can do that people not not to be like you don't do this because you're an ally, but like I see a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, like I'm an ally, but then when they're faced with the chance to stand up for that group of people, they don't. And like that mm. is what the definition of being an ally is. Is that like yeah. if I hear two people being like, like for instance at that sports game, I don't know if I told mm-hmm. this story on the pod, but there was a, a little white boy and these two uh black kids were fighting on the team. And again, these are fifth graders. And the white boy yelled, look, the monkeys are fighting. And his parent didn't do anything. Like, whoa. If, and obviously because, like, I'm an adult and, like, I'm 10, 20, 12 feet away. Like, I'm not going to say anything. Like, I can't say anything. Like, I can't interject myself into these kids. But, like, I should have probably said something to the parent and been like, hey, like, your, your kids shouldn't say that. Because that's what, you know, being an ally is, is, like, yeah. when you hear something, even if you're not a part of the group that's affected, and even if the group that's affected is not even around, you know, like if we were on Xbox and let's just say uh, Matt and Byron, we'll just throw those two names out there, uh, you know, <laughs> said something <laughs> super homophobic. Yeah. And you were there and I wasn't. I would expect you to be like, yo, like what do you like? You can't say that. You know what I mean? Like that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, luckily, we <laughs> we have a, a safe enough friend group where that doesn't happen. No, Matt's homophobic. But I. I have yeah, <laughs> he's, he's so homophobic. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I've had um, I've had a, a like I've I'm lucky in a lot of ways as as someone who one I'm just like was born and people are like you're a dude and I was like yeah that checks out and they were like you like girls and I was like yeah that checks out and they're <laughs> they're like and you have testosterone and you're gonna be a man someday I'm like yeah that's fine like I'm I'm lucky that one that's the case but then also. Um, you know, for anybody listening that doesn't know this about me, my my family is a kaleidoscopic rainbow of confetti. Uh, mm. My my other little brother, born the same exact day as my half black brother, is gay. So like, mm. and um, and that's a whole other story. But they were born on the same day to different parents, and both of them are my half brothers. Uh, weird, but also cool. It's very weird and very cool. Uh, but he messaged me earlier this week. He sent me like you know this video that was like look it's me and it was like some it was a it was a, a gay man reminiscing on when his mom used to call him a ladies man he was like no this is just what i like i like to hang around the girls like and he was like look it's me when i was a kid and i was like yeah and he's and he said something along the lines of like i it, like you know it was it was reminiscing on like n- people n- quote unquote not knowing that you're gay and i was mm. like kurt we we always knew buddy and he was yeah. like well nobody told me and i was like well it's kind of your own thing to figure out like i'm not going to come into your room and be like i think you're gay like you yeah, know right? like it was, <laughs> like i think i knew even as like a an adolescent kid with a brother who was literally cheering with the cheer team on the sidelines and like loving every second of it, you know? And like, there were just, there were other hints. It wasn't just cheerleading because you can be very masculine and cheerlead. But like, I think just like, you know, I just kind of knew and I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to leave it there. And you know, when, when he did come out, you know, all of the, the rest of us siblings were just kind of like, Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> because we knew. And like, we were just like, Oh yeah, that's fine. That's Kurt. Like, yeah, he's fine. Um, yeah. 
So I've been lucky that I've I've had the opportunity to have a mature form of allyship in that like yeah. these aren't just people that I know these are my brothers these are my literal blood brothers like we share DNA you know uh so that's been that's been really helpful and that's helped me to be progressive and I try to use that as much as I can to speak up when I need to um and to like to try and educate when I need to the the part that's then tough is like a lot of times because of who I am I find myself in crowds where I am like at least in a very microcosmic sense I am the minority like as a cisgendered white male you know so like the, in those settings regardless of my experience because I'm not literally living it in that moment it's really not my place to speak <laughs> like yeah. Like, I can't just be jumping in every conversation and be like, yeah, well, you know, my gay brother and my black brother, like, <laughs> you know, because like, like, then you're just an asshole. Yeah, then you're. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but like learning to listen <laughs> was so hard because you get so, I speaking from like a, the position of someone who can only be an ally. Right. <laughs> um, like you you get so excited to like be like i'm here to help like yeah <laughs> but it's like the equivalent of like showing up to like i don't know like it's the equivalent to like showing up with a to pride parade with a shirt that just says go gays on it like, <laughs> like, <laughs> the guy from Walmart. like yeah like people are just gonna give you weird looks man <laughs> like they're not going to judge you, but they're going to judge you. <laughs> they're you know, going to judge you for sure. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you mentioned the, the ally thing because it made me remember, like, when I was, like, between 20 and 22. No, yeah. probably between, like, 21 and, like, 24, 25. I yeah. was, you know, like, was, like, really hardcore into, like, my allyship of the LGBTQ community. And then, obviously, that made me realize, oh, like, I'm a member, but then it took me a little bit to be like, oh, I'm no longer like when I stand up for these issues, it's no longer from like an ally standpoint. And it was a really mm. weird transition to go from being like the mindset of, oh, I'm an ally. So like, this is how I go about it to being like, oh, yeah. no, this is me. So now I can take like a little bit of a different stand, like a little bit more of a direct, like, yep. you know, like what directly affects me type of stand, which is a really interesting uh, perspective switch to like live through and work and look back on. Yeah. Because I was raised to be homophobic, which was really interesting. Do you yeah. want to unpack that right now? I no, have. I'm just kidding. I'm um, just, it's just I mean, you know, it's just it's so funny that like, <laughs> you know, and my sister's kind of the same way that my full sister that I'm closest to. Yeah. Um, we were raised to judge people based off the color of their skin and to be homophobic and to be intolerant of these people. And as we got older, uh, that those views started to change on our own but then when we completely broke off from the influence of the people that raised us like that perspective really changed especially for me having always known you know when i was younger that like i didn't hate those people i felt similar to those people you know what i mean and so yeah. it's just interesting because uh like now obviously being a member but like my sister rachel is like an extreme ally like very defensive especially mm -hmm. now with, you know, younger sibling being a member and like my sister's super duper supportive. Yeah. But at the same time, you mentioned the word intolerant. And it's funny because now 
I'm intolerant of those people that are intolerant. I don't tolerate mm. the people, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's, it's a funny, vicious cycle, but mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm wrong. I don't feel like if you're somebody that, that feels this specific way that is just objectively wrong and intolerant, I don't yeah. want you in my circle. I don't want you in my life. I don't want you to be around me. And yeah. there's always the counter argument. Well, how are you going to change their mind? Well, I mean, that is one way of that. That's the thing is like, maybe I could, but what do I have to subject myself to in order to change their mind? I thought for the yeah. longest time that even with my parents, I could potentially maybe change their mind. And it just made things worse for me because I continued to be like an undercover agent but all yeah. they did was spew hatred and it just made it worse. So yeah. do I want to try to change somebody's opinion on a group of people and subject myself to all the hatred and poison that's going to come from that? No, I don't. Yeah. And I, I just think that's an interesting standpoint. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back to, we had this conversation last season on like, you know, I, I was kind of explaining at least my take on Christianity and I'm, I very much, I, you know, I, I like the, I like the Je the Jesus that wasn't white and was punk rock and was flipping tables at the market and like befriending prostitutes and people who were downtrodden and saying like the meek shall inherit the earth as as the metaphor for like hey all the people who are mistreated are learning a better form of grace than anyone who's mistreating them you yeah. know and like and so for me I'm not even so much it's it's not that I I am intolerant of the intolerant. It's that I'm just like I I will passively move away from them. It's not an yeah. active intolerance, right? It's yeah. just me. It's just me going. All right, well, yep, didn't like that interaction. And mm -hmm. if it happens again, I'm like, all right, cool. Well, more distance and s more space and time then, because that's the only thing you ever can do is create space and time, and then give them the ability to like come to you. There's that there's that classic Eastern teaching, right? Uh, when the student is ready, the master appears, which is really like, you know, when you're ready to learn the lesson, you'll learn it. And it doesn't matter who's in front of you before then. Yeah. If you're not ready to learn the lesson, you're not going to learn it. And if the lesson is uh, acceptance of other people, if the lesson is giving grace to other people and you're just incapable of doing it and you're not in a mental space where you can do that or like even an emotional space where you're prepared to emotionally do that, you're not going to learn it. It's just oh, not going to happen, you know? 100% agree. And it's it's funny because, you know, to sit here and be like, oh, I don't deal with those people. But the, the truth of the matter is those people are everywhere, you know? Like, oh, they're yeah. sprinkled in everywhere. So it's funny that, like... Sprinkled in. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're just sprinkled in, you know? Just little hate sprinkles of society. Yeah, little, <laughs> yeah all over. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, in a professional setting, as someone who just transitioned you know, recently into freelance and now really recently out of freelance, I had clients that were definitely that way. And because, you know, in a real world scenario, if you go to Panera Bread or if you have a client or if you're in a, an office space, like you're going to have these people around you. So to some extent, I do tolerate them because they're, you know, a client or whatever. But anything past the basic human decency that I owe you, because I believe that everyone should be treated with at least a limited amount of decency, you know, and I feel like even if you are a scumbag and I have to work with you every day, I'm still going to be like, hey, like, hey, Bill, how was your day? Yeah. Oh, yep. You and Debbie. OK, cool. Now my headphones go in and I talk to you tomorrow morning with this exact same conversation because I'm not going to be mean to you. Mm hmm. 
Well, that's good leadership, right? The, like the the idea of leading from the front. Like if you believe, like if respect is the thing that you want, then giving out the basic form of it is the least you can do, right? You don't have to go above and beyond, but exactly. basic human decency. What you said there that I really like is basic human decency, basic respect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wow. We, uh, I think we just covered everything that we covered the last time we tried to do this in 30 minutes rather than 50. Uh, um, and it was much more organized. Do I have any more thoughts? I feel so much better about this conversation. People are getting like the, I'm really glad we took a practice run at this and, <laughs> and hit all the bumpers on the way down the bowling alley so that we could bowl this strike this time. <laughs> Well, then let's do um, this because I don't really think I have any other thoughts. I mean, I kind of don't either. One more thing that I really kind of wanted to touch on is uh, I think two two of the big wins that I mentioned being um, being uh, Hari Neff in um, in Barbie. And then I believe Hari Neff was also in the idol. I think that's also Hari Neff. Um, But. Specifically in Barbie, Hari Neff is not called trans Barbie, which was like Greta Gerwig. Great job. Applause. Applause for you on that because Hari Neff was Dr. Barbie, right? It it was like, and that to me, like when that never came up and here's like the fun, funny thing, you know, like being a cisgendered white male who is just an ally there is still a part of my brain that's like are they going to mention that that's a trans woman (laughs) like Mm. at all in this movie about fake toys in an imaginary land is that going to come up you know because like i still have a little bit let's call it let's call it like (laughs) let's call it like a childish ignorance right there's still like a little part of my brain that's like i wonder if they're going to talk about that (laughs) like i get what you mean though yeah it's (laughs) but i like it's kind of innocent in that it's like a little bit curious and it only remains innocent in that I don't vocalize it. <laughs> you know, like I'm not saying it out loud and pointing. But there's, a, there's, <laughs> but a, like, there's a lot of movies though that have that kind of representation that don't point yes. it out. And I think that to me, I think both work personally. Mm-hmm. Like I think that you can point it out and I think you can not point it out. I think depending on the situation, one would work better. If it's part of the plot. Exactly. Yes. If it's an important piece of that character, yes. But in the Barbie movie, it's not. And that's exactly. really great. They mm-hmm. got it. They got it right. Yeah. And it definitely doesn't need to be addressed in Hellraiser. <laughs> no, and, and, and you can even take it a step further. Like, you know, when adaptations of things come out, sometimes they bend the story to fit things, right? But yeah. with, like, with Bella Ramsey, like, they played a female character and... Mm-hmm. That, that was it. Like, nobody, like, not even a lot of people even still know that they use they, yeah. them, which is, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, that they just, yeah, I don't know. I think that it just really, yeah, it works. I don't know. I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, that that's like as far as we can go with this conversation until, you know, we're talking about future progress that still needs yet be made. Or, but mm. that's like that's a whole other conversation, you know, to yeah. launch into that right now would be another hour of us talking. Yeah. Well, why don't we I have something I could talk to you about for a minute. Uh, If it's what I think you're talking about, then I'm going to woo. All right. Hit me. Uh, I want to tell you about a movie I saw last night. 
right. <laughs> I thought so. Hit um, me. So, let me just bring up some names here, just so I don't mispronounce, because there's one of them that I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, you're. Uh, you mentioned this when I was calling you up to like confirm this time you, you want to talk about the creator right so there's a new movie out called the creator okay right? and it yep. is from the director of the 2014 godzilla reboot uh gareth edwards he also directed rogue one yes and it very has, good director he's an, in, in this movie proves that like the fact that he, so he had a lot of i'll get into it there's a lot of like behind the scenes drama about Rogue One, which is why he hasn't made a movie since 2016. This is wow. his first movie since Rogue One. All right. Um, but it also has my favorite cinematographer, Greg Frazier. Uh, mm -hmm. He is incredible. Uh, if you've seen Dune, Rogue One, Zero Dark Thirty, The Batman, that's his work. Yeah. Um, and then it also has the writer of Rogue One who's worked with Gareth Edwards before. His name is Chris White. I think is how you say his last name. Mm -hmm. um, and then to top off this incredible, I'm not even getting to the actors yet, but just to top off the team behind it, the music is by Hans Zimmer. Oh, yeah. Like, Jesus Always great. Christ. On top, on top of that, this entire movie, for the most part, minus some like drone shots and some like obviously CGI effects and everything, yeah. was shot on the Sony FX3. Now, for those of you that don't know what the Sony FX3 is, that is a basically a pocket cinema camera that you can wow. order on Amazon for like four grand. And they shot this most of this entire movie on that. This is like an That's $85 million movie. And it looks like it looks better than anything I've seen in a really long time. It looks wow. incredible. Like incredible. Um, it wow. stars Denzel Washington's son. Uh, John David Washington, who you might know from Tenet. And yes, then okay. The other really notable name is uh, Ken uh, Watanabe, who plays mm -hmm. uh, a p pivotal role. I can't remember his name, but he's in the Godzilla movies. He's the Japanese character in the, the new Godzilla movies. Yes. Yeah. So that is he's the cast. The, he's like the bad guy. No, he's the good guy. He's oh, Team I thought Godzilla. he was like, uh, I, th I was thinking of Godzilla versus Kong, the guy who gets oh, inside no. Mecha Godzilla. He's dead before then. Yeah, oh, he's okay. the one that sacrifices himself in Godzilla too. I don't remember, but I don't, cool. I just had a bunch of balloons go by me. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Was that? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so that's the team behind this. Uh, it is about a futuristic society where America is waging a war on AI, right? Yep. It is full of love notes and love letters to like early sci-fi movies like alien um there's some remnants of like terminator there's some remnants of i would say also some of like gareth edwards earlier work like there's definitely some like rogue one elements and there's a lot of godzilla elements okay one thing that gareth edwards does extremely well with his directing is scaling he yeah. does a really good job of making you feel how large the area is. It makes you really feel how small the people are. A really good example of this in Rogue One is when they're on towards the end of the movie and they're on the planet and the AT-ATs come through the trees and like you see how small, like just how small a person is compared to these like monstrous, gigantic robot things, right? Mm. Same thing mm. in this. Like you really get a feel for how big these landscapes are, how big these ships are. 
Um, I don't want to give too much away because I feel like if you don't know anything about this movie, it's probably even better. I almost regret watching the trailer before we went. Okay. But there is like this MacGuffin type establishment and it's, it's just like when you first see it, you're like, that's massive. But then you see it again from like a top down view and it's just like, holy shit, this thing is like, this thing is like the size of Texas. Like what the, like, holy shit. And like, I love that Gareth Edwards is really good at scaling and has had the opportunity to show that in his movies. Yeah. And then you throw somebody like Greg Frazier behind the camera and like, you like the movie Rogue One. There's a lot of scenes in this movie that like are shot and colored exactly like Rogue One. And it is just like, this movie is just beautiful through and through. Yeah. Rogue One was brilliant. It's incredible. I mean, one of the best Star Wars. To, I remember watching it and like everything was so good and I was enjoying every second of it. And then it got to the end and the two main characters are there, uh, Andor, right? Cassian mm-hmm. Andor and then the girl. I can't remember her name. Um, but Urso. The, yes. Jin Urso. Yes. Jin Urso and Cassian Andor are there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, don't kiss. I swear to God, if they kiss, I'm I'm done with this movie. It, it has been amazing, but if they kiss and then they hug, and that's it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, all right, perfect, great job, you execute, you did it, you got it. Like <laughs> I was like, I was like, so, that's the one thing that would ruin this entire movie <laughs> is any sort of a romantic thread at that point, you know? Yeah. So let's let me tell you about the Rogue One drama. Yeah, um, hit me. So Gareth Edwards, after the success of the 2014 Godzilla reboot, was tasked yes. to direct Rogue One. Now, yes. there are some And did pretty, it. Well, there's some significant... So there was a bunch of reshoots. Now, oh. the original ending... So the, the ending that we saw was they relay the coordinates on the tower, they shoot them up, and then they go down to the beach, and then the planet explodes. Yes. I'm, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the almost decade-old Rogue One movie. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, we're spoiling Rogue One. And, like, obviously they don't get off the planet and they die on the beach. Yeah. In Gareth Edwards' version, there's some footage out there and some behind-the-scenes info that they actually ran across the beach with the plans and Uh were getting shot at and blown up. And then they transmit them and then, like, it ends. So there was a lot more action at the end in Gareth Edwards' version. Oh, yeah, it was probably a little more brutal, too. Like, are they getting, like, shot like yeah, actually like, shot up it's, yeah it's getting like it's brutal which that I was honestly probably the reshoot because it was if star wars was still so like nascent mm. or nascent for yeah. uh for disney at that time i'm sure they were like kind of coddling the franchise a little bit yeah so what yeah. ended up happening is uh they did reshoots and it's speculated that tony gilroy who is the um screenwriter on andor yes uh took over to direct the reshoots What's upsetting about that is I don't know. I, I could I could look into it, but I don't know how much he reshot. I know the ending yeah. for sure, but there's speculation that he reshot a little bit more than that, like kind of mm. like a bunch, which yeah. kind of like left a bad taste in Gareth Edwards' mouth. And then because it's Disney and what ends up happening, and this happened with uh, the guys who did Game of Thrones, right? They Mm -hmm. rushed the last season of Game of Thrones because they were offered to do a Star Wars movie because the Mm -hmm. last season of Game of Thrones tank, they got kicked off their Star Wars movie. And now they haven't done anything since, because if you go to do a Star Wars movie and then get kicked off, it seems like your career 
is gone because the same thing happened to Chris Miller and Phil Lord from yeah. the Lego movie. They were supposed well, to do solo, got kicked yeah. off. Yeah. Well, and then their their alternate history, the guys from Game of Thrones were going to do an alternate history, like white people are the slaves show. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. And then they <laughs> and, did a movie called- That got dropped show, like a hot yeah. sack of potatoes. They did a show <laughs> called The Chair that got one season and got canceled on Netflix. Don't, don't know anything know about it. Is. Never yeah. heard of it. All so, right. and like, look, maybe those people, maybe the Game of Thrones guys, like, Game of Thrones is loved up until the last season. So maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. Maybe they got lucky. Maybe they had a source material to work through. And that's why the Game of Thrones was successful. Either way- the fact is that Gareth Edwards wasn't able to do anything until yeah. this movie, and I personally believe that's because of the Disney stuff, which I think is really stupid and sucks because he's very, very, very talented. You know what we got to do now hmm. this season? What? I have to present to you an overview of the world of Game of Thrones. Oh, God. Okay. In order to educate you and bring you in on okay, how I'll educate you on something else. Yes, you have to pick something else, and it can't be Star Wars again. Oh, I already know what it's going to be, and it's not Star Wars. I'm learning enough about Star Wars. No, you're good. I got, I got, uh, I got something already in mind. Great. Mm -hmm. I will educate you on Game of Thrones, okay. and then uh, we'll we'll figure something else out. But I honestly, okay, I really think you, Odie, should watch it. Hmm. Just and I'm not saying like now. I'm not saying like over the course of the next year. I'm just saying at some point because you you mentioned something. You're like maybe DB Weiss and David uh, Benioff and Weiss, who are the yeah. Game of Thrones guys, who never have to work again in their lives if they don't want to. Let's be honest. True. Um, uh, you're like maybe they're not that good, and I would say to you, they are good. But the team that they built internationally and the people that directed some of the key episodes and like the cinematography that went into some of the best episodes of that show and just like the way things were framed and shot. Yeah, and, no, like, I'm not saying the that they're sound, bad. And like there's so much that went into that show that like set a new standard for so many things all the way up to the last season. Yeah, um, no, I'm just I'm I'm just saying that like they might be good. They might be bad. Maybe they got lucky. Maybe it's they're good enough, up. right? I'm just they're good I, enough to have seven great, well, six and a half yeah, great seasons. I've never, of the show. I've never seen a single thing they have done. So I have no opinion on them whatsoever. I'm just saying that mm -hmm. going from Game of Thrones to getting off Star Wars, getting yeah. no deals, to getting your one show canceled, like maybe you're good and like these things just didn't work out or maybe you just yeah. got lucky with the first thing and people like maybe you're not as talented and that's maybe their star wars pitch was bad i have yeah. no clue maybe. i'm just saying that to tie it back to the creator with gareth edwards yeah. is that this movie uh it does a really really good job of kind of showing ai but also like not to spoil too much but like it kind of reminded me of a little bit of like an allegory for like the Vietnam War. Okay. Like, I like that. There are some elements of things that like the American military does, choices they make, and things they do in this war that they have created. Yeah. Um, that I'm just like, yeah, that's that's a like that is an authoritarian, like military government move right there. Like yeah. in real life not afraid to say this, like the American military thinks that they're above everybody. 
And in this movie, they act like they are without any consequences. Mm. Not mild spoilers, but not really. There's a moment where basically they decide, oh, we're going to bomb these facilities. But they're in countries around the world, right? Mm. And they're just like, we're just going to bomb them. Like, even if they are in our allies' country, like, we're just going to bomb them. Like, who gives a fuck? And it's just like... That's just the mentality they have. They're just like, oh, wow. well, like, we don't like this thing. Whether you do or not, we're taking it out. And it's just yeah. – and that that's, like, a, one of the through lines to the movie. And it's – I don't know. I think – Okay. I think it's really, like – if like I said on the phone, and I'll say this now. Out of all the movies I've seen this year, and a lot of them have been extremely good, if there's one movie you should definitely, definitely, definitely go see in theaters, it's this. It, okay. it needs to be seen in theaters. It is – way too good to pass up on okay and i don't throw that out there lightly i on it you know me i trust your opinion so i uh, think you'd like it i think you would being said is that your jam this week no no i actually have something else that's my jam as well what's your jam um i have any final thoughts about the creator no go see it definitely really good cool i will um my jam hold on is i'm bringing up the name of the album i don't remember the name of the album i'm playing the holding music okay so (laughs) there's a artist that was extremely popular in and i could be misremembering when he was extremely popular but for me it was like Early 2000s, mid 2000s, like middle school, high school era. Drake. Um, it's Drake. Is it Drake? It's not Drake. It's not Drake. Oh. But you're on the right Damn. track. Whoa. Lil Wayne. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my I'm God. I'm so good. I'm is... so good. He has a new album called uh, The Fix Before the Sixth. And Hell it's yeah. 10 tracks. And yeah. he also came out with an album, and I listened to it. Uh, back in 2022 called Sorry for the Wait. Yep. Uh, title track, Sorry for the Wait, is incredible. Yeah. But this album, uh, The Fix Before good. the Sixth, is yeah. so good. Um, I I love Lil Wayne's character arc. Like, he was kind of a, like, he was like, like, a lot of people loved him. But then, like, they're, like I, I'll be honest, I was one of the people, I'm like, he's kind of a cartoon. Like, he's kind of like. Yeah, a little like, bit. There's a part of him that feels like it's a joke. And then he just, like, he was like, you know what? he didn't fall off. He just like cut everyone else off and was like, I'm just going to go skateboard and live life with my money. And yeah, like, literally he was just and that's all he thing. did. And then he just drops albums like mm-hmm. a decade later. He's like, he first off, he drops albums a decade later, but in between he gets featured on like probably a dozen, right? Oh just yeah. Featured. So many, but every feature he did was fire. Yeah. Like so good. And two features for Tyler the Creator, just crushing it. He's literally I've always thought that his like lyrics and like his style was really, really good when I was younger. And I just kinda yeah. like he he was just kinda he kinda got lost with like the Akon and T Pain and Lil Wayne and like all of that like music that was really popular then. And those people are still popular, but for me, like it was of the era. Like that was like their prime for me in yeah. my head. So now to come back to him, and it's funny the way I the the only reason I end up listening to this album is because a couple days ago, um, I think it was like on TikTok or Instagram, I saw 
uh, there was a Lil Wayne song playing in the background, yep. or it was like the music, and I was like, oh, Lil Wayne. And I typed him into YouTube Music and was like, he's got a new album. And then I listened to the whole thing and I was like, holy shit. But like, oh my God. He is so good. I, I don't want to say he's underrated because, like, just because I don't listen to him probably doesn't, like, there's probably people out there that are huge Lil Wayne fans and I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. But I feel like the fact that he hasn't been in the spotlight that I know of in a while is kind of yeah. crazy given how talented he really is. Oh, yeah. No, he's great. Um, my jams this week, because I have two jams. Mm. Uh, one is something that we are going to talk about next week because we're going into October and mm. it's spooky season. Spooky. And we're going to do our fall slash spooky season must haves. And mine, I'm in the middle of it right now. I'm watching Over the Garden Wall, which is mm. absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm, it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, hope, I hope they never do another season of it. I hope They're it just stays. That's fine. I hope it just stays as eight episodes, whatever incarnation exists. Like, even if they do a graphic novel, I hope it's eight issues that are the eight small issues that turn into be, one graphic novel. Would you, like, would you be mad if they did live action and it was The Rock and Kevin Hart? I'd be so mad. <laughs> I would be. I would. I would. Call, I, I would write my congressman. That's how Ferrell, mad I would be. Will I'd be Ferrell like, you need to the, stop uh, this. You need to stop this now. Will um, Ferrell's the voice of the bird. Oh, my God. I would be so mad. I'd be so mad. <laughs> I hope they do don't it. do that. I hope they do it. Don't I do hope that. They do it. Yeah, don't anyway, do it. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> no, and then my other jam, because you brought it into my head, and I did have a different music jam until you started talking about the creator, but this is a good little, like, sandwich piece to go with it. Um, it's probably going to end up being like my most listened to album this year, but I've stumbled upon very early on in 2023, the Dolly thundering concept, the band. Have you ever heard of them? I have not. Okay. I'm surprised I have not like fawned over this to you yet, but they have an <laughs> entire concept album about, uh, artificial intelligence, but really just sentience, like, like machine sentience. I, mm. I don't want to call it AI because AI is such a huge misnomer right now. Like I'm so frustrated with all the people who point at a large language model and they go, it's AI. And I know like calling it an LLM is probably not as catchy, but that's what it fucking is. And you need to accept that it's not actually intelligent and labeling it as such when machines actually do become intelligent is going to be one of the reasons they lock you in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> anyway, Get locked in a cage. but <laughs> but anyway, so the Dolly Thundering concept has this awesome album called Almighty Men, and it like just right off the rip, it's like like you can tell that you're in for a ride. You know how like every once in a while you'll hear like the first line to an album, and you're like, here we go, oh, and yeah. like the first line to this album, there's like this very robotic synthetic sound, and it just goes, God is dead. And it's just like, oh, here we go. Like, it's so good. It's the first track. It's called God is Dead. But then the album follows the story of, you know, an artificially made sentient being as it is uh, basically it it sees part of like a machine uprising uh, is essentially declared defunct, sent to I'm assuming Antarctica because they say the south. Um and then the machines that are on essentially this island of misfit toys, let's call it that for a metaphor, they're like, oh, no, 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 we're going to go back and we're going to kill all the men. And then 
the album ends with like this really awesome meditative piece on what it actually means to conquer something that you labeled as your enemy, especially when it's the thing that is technically responsible for your creation. And so in that there's like a lot, there's like a spiritual side to this album. There's like a duality, like a meditation on duality. And then there's like, uh, you know, like a meditation on like progress and what it means to be progressive. And like, it's so good. It's like, you know how I am like it, Give me anything that's just a blooming onion of metaphor and simile and information. And I just turn into like, I just turn into like a little kid. I'm just like, (laughs) yes. Okay. I like that part too. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. I I very often am just like downstairs in the morning, like, you know, stretching, doing like my morning routine. And I'm just playing that album. (laughs) Like just Mm. like on repeat because it's only about 30 minutes it's like a really quick listen if you're listening to an album and so it's very easy for me to just go through the entire thing but i love it and it i have a feeling after i watch the creator i'm probably gonna listen to it like another dozen times love a good quick album listen though honestly it's great yeah i love yeah yeah not everything needs to be a mixtape yeah exactly 100 (laughs) percent All right, so before I go see it, who would you cast from the It's Always Sunny cast in the movie The Creator? Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. That would ruin it. No, 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 no. No, because I would cast the people that I think would make the roles really funny. I would have Charlie. No, no, no. Tell me after. Nope, nope. Tell me after I see it. I was I was just kidding. I actually don't want you to tell me. No, tell me after I see it. Fine. Okay. Also, here's a fun little funny, uh, final last bit. I I can't remember if I mentioned this, but uh, the even the programming of future of the future quantum computing, uh, it's it's made up of qubits, which can be a one and a zero at the same time. So we've uh, pretty much everything that we use in the future is going to be non-binary. Yeah, that's good. That's a nice little takeaway. We're going to take over the world, and I can't wait. With even though right now, even though right now we're at like one point three of the world's population, we're growing. That's fine. It's might even be less than that. Huh? It might even be less than that. Odie. Yes. Hear me out. I'm I'm listening. I know before we said that we hadn't, but I really mm-hmm. do honestly feel like we've solved all the problems that non-binary and LGBTQ plus people are facing in this fifty nine minutes. Under an hour we solved it, Odie. It's uh. you and me. The world's fixed. I'm gonna go outside and tell everybody. Gonna go shout. <laughs> Apparently, there are 1.2 million non-binary people in the world. I told you it's all. See? <laughs>